this morning I, I'm going to go a different direction for a few weeks. Uh, we'll see how long we do it. Um, if, if this was a series name, I'd probably put something like this. Learning Life Lessons. Learning Life Lessons. Um, in this uh, wild and woolly season we find ourselves in, uh, it, it's hard to learn lessons. We don't like it when we don't have things our way. And so there are always new pieces that we've got to learn along the way. And so uh, as I thought about that, <clears throat> uh, the, the, the character uh, that came to mind for me was the, the Old Testament character, Joseph. Uh, so you're talking about the book of Genesis. And I want to talk about some of the things that are lessons he learned that weren't, weren't easy lessons but lessons nonetheless that we had to uh, have to pick up ourselves along the way. So the, the first focus point is in Genesis chapter 39, and <clears throat> it's dealing with how we handle trials that come our way, how we handle struggles that come our way. So uh, we're going we're gonna to go there. I'm going to go to... Genesis 39. I read the, the chapter. I realize that it's 23 verses, but it reads very, very easily. And uh, I, th I think you'll find that uh, the story, since you haven't likely looked at this content yet, um, it's like a refresher course of sorts. Now, I'm not starting at Joseph from the very beginning, you know, with Joseph and his amazing Technicolor dream coat. Yeah, I'm not going there, uh, but I'm just going to pick it up at a particular point in time as God has had his hand on him and brings him into a place of uh, service uh, and a place of, of prominence uh, in course of time. So Genesis 39. <clears throat> so it reads this way. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left Joseph's care, uh, so he left in Joseph's care everything he had with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than, than I am. 
My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him the story. That Hebrew slave you bought as you brought, uh, brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak and beside, beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him, put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. He was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he had, in whatever he did, whatever he did. Um... So today, I want to look at the story and some of the things that we need to pick up or learn from it. Um, sometimes we use a little acrostics or kind of an acronym to describe things. And, and this one really does not work well uh, because uh, it, I, I want, I, I, I guess I'm calling them, I, I guess uh, I would call them Tintic. There are tintics today, tintics, and that's an acronym for things that you need to know. Things, so it, it really is an ugly acronym, but maybe it'll be ugly enough so you just remember it. So anyway, things you need to know along the way in terms of the life of Joseph. So here are a couple of them. It's, it's amazing to be uh, in, the, in, the, in the timing in which I start this particular series, that some of the issues that we are dealing with are issues that uh, stem back to the purchase of people and buying people and putting them into servitude, slavery. We, we came through Juneteenth recently, Friday, uh, uh, now a, a state holiday, which acknowledges the final emancipation not proclamation, but emancipation of some guy goes to Texas. And the last 
group is finally informed that they are now free. Um, and uh, it, it's almost a servitude story, almost an enslavement story here that Joseph is involved with and deals with. But as a, a man who longed to honor God, despite the tough stuff that he found himself, spots he found himself in, through no fault of his own, he somehow comes up from those dark spots and is able to shine for God. So, things you need to know in handling the trials of life. The first one is this. When things are going good, pay attention. <laughs> when things are going good, pay attention. Sometimes that's the time when we least give thought to how things are. We're just very grateful, very thankful that things are, are coming along well, and, but you don't always pay attention to things that are going on around. You just kind of begin to drift. We have a phrase we talk about resting on your laurels. When, when things are going well, you don't remember that you've always got to pay attention to things around you. And verses 2 through 5 that we read talked about how things were going really, very well. Potiphar put him in charge, had absolute trust and confidence in him. He was doing the job well for his master, for Potiphar. And in language of verse 5 says that the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. And that was because of the presence of this man of God. So when things are going well, pay attention. Pay attention uh, because sometimes things can make a turn. And if they make that turn and you're not paying attention, you get into trouble. In fact, we're more likely to be tempted when things are going well. After all, we're enjoying God's blessing. We often become complacent and take those things, those blessings for granted along the way. Uh, someone has put it this way, or one way to express the same thing is that today's victories often lead to tomorrow's trials. Today's victories often lead to tomorrow's trials. New Testament puts it this way when it says, let the person who thinks he's standing take heed because the prospect of falling is there. Um, that's not good King James-ish, but you know, you know where I'm at at that point. That the things that we rejoice in and are grateful for today often become the things in which sometimes can lead us into in terms of a trial, a, a, a proving ground of sorts. So you need to remember that. Pay attention. Um, the Israelite people, when they came into the land, uh, there was this word of counsel that God's word gave to them. He said, now when you come in to the land and everything's going well, the fields are full and your barns are full, everything is going well, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. And it's that time that we've got to be very careful so we don't mess up. And this is one of the things we need to always keep in mind and know along the way. Second thing you need to know is that when you are tempted, when you're tempted, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Uh, Dylan uh, left 
uh, last weekend, actually Monday, Tuesday, whatever the time frame was, he left. <clears throat> um, and I, I got a card um, and gave to him. I, I, hope he, I hope he read it. He did. Okay, all right, good, good, okay. Not because what was in, but because what I was writing. Okay, so, so here, so here. Uh, so th that was a phrase that I used. I said, I said to him, now remember, I said, uh, anchors away. Uh, that's a good military line for a Navy guy. Anchors away. Uh, remember who you are and whose you are. In that kind of setting, you've got to have those pieces in place. Remember who you are and remember whose you are. In verses 7 through 9, the story that we read from Genesis 39, uh, you have this wife of Potiphar that keeps on coming after Joseph, and it's relentless. Um, and, and yet Joseph has enough sense uh, in his head that he knows who he is as a man of God. And he remembers that. How could I how could I sin or do such a wicked thing and sin against God? It was not not so much that he would do this thing and and it would have an impact on his life alone. We we don't do anything in violation of God's word that is just something that's going to impact me. It always has a consequent impact. Uh, as the circle widens out. We learn from him that he was a man of integrity before his boss and before his God. Before his boss and before his God. God puts you in places of service, employment perhaps, um, relationship with people, and you need to be, as Joseph was, a person of integrity. person of integrity understands what are the principles that they live by? And they're biblical. They're they're grounded in God's word. And he he's a person who lives congruent with those principles. He 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 lets them impact his life. Um, I, I guess we could say of Joseph that he called Bible things by Bible names. He called it wickedness. He called it a sin against God. And I, I would just encourage you in these days to make sure that we call Bible things by Bible names because we live in this world of moral relativism that says, well, if you do it for you, that's okay, but it may not be for me. And so there are some things that we've got to be careful with. Let me just illustrate just a couple, I, couple thoughts with this. Instead of a hard word like adultery, which is what Joseph would have committed, uh, we use words like they had an affair or had a tryst or a fling or a one-night stand. And we might even call such a thing they, they were making love. Yet the scriptures call it something else. Adultery is still sin because God says so. And renaming it doesn't change its character. 
any more than calling rat poison food turns it into bread. Call Bible things by Bible names. Joseph knew he belonged to God. And when a man knows that he belongs to God, it makes the decisions of life easier. If you belong to God, you don't sleep with your boss's wife. If you belong to God, it's just that simple. It doesn't make a difference that she was lonely or she was attractive or she was available or anything else. You can't do it. Period. End of story. No discussion needed because he was a person who remembered who he was. Now, I understand the nature of the human heart. And I know that in our world, people, people do things because they forget or don't know who they are. And so there's no moral compass that guides or drives them along the way. You need to remember who you are when those temptations come, when those trials come. A third tintic, a third thing you need to know is this, that when you're tempted, flee fast. Flee fast. Genesis verse 39 verse 12 says, But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. He blasted off quickly. And that was probably the thing that saved him. Even though it resulted in a negative thing that happened to him, he was able to maintain his integrity. Now, there are a lot of excuses that we give that want us to linger longer in some kind of thing. Uh, we think, well, that's really not going to bother me. And we just, we just get closer and closer. And pretty soon, it's like the mouse about ready to take the cheese out of the trap. Pretty soon, that thing is going to spring. Um, but but we, use, we use excuses. And Joseph probably could have come up with a list uh, that would have rationalized his decision to, if he wanted to, to sleep with Potiphar's wife. He could, he could have said, we're all alone. That was true. He could have said, she made me do it. And that was also true, although there's always the choice that we make. Probably could have said, no one else will know. And that was probably true. Probably could have said, she's in a bad marriage. That was very possible, you know, but she could try to do that. He could probably say, I'm single and I have needs too. And that was probably very true. He could say, I deserve this. I've been entrusted with everything. and This is the fruit of my reward. And that was not true. He probably could have said, Everybody fools around, and that is definitely not true, but it sounds good. He could have said, surely God will understand. And that's definitely not true, but it's a popular excuse. And, and I say it's not true. It's not that God is unaware of things and 
but he has a standard by which we are to live and follow. And things we need to know include that there are times when you need to run. You need to flee away from that temptation. The Bible is full of stories. You know, you have the story of, of, uh, of Lot who leaves Abraham and heads over to another spot. Uh, and he has a chance to don't look over the domain. And pretty soon the scriptures talk about the kind of like the downward slide he went on where he looked and he saw that. And then he pretty soon was pitching his tents closer and closer. And then after that, he was in the city. It's that kind of thing. It needs to maintain that barrier to avoid the things that are going to get him into trouble. There's a time to talk and there's a time to stop talking. There's a time to stay and there's a time to go. There's a time to walk and there's a time to run away. And Joseph, as a man of integrity, knew that and lived by that. Now there's something else that occurs here that sometimes gets troublesome for us. And that's the fourth thing you need to know. And that is this. When you choose right, don't expect a reward. We, we sometimes think, well, if I do this, then things are going to work well for me. But it's not always a guarantee. There's not always a guarantee. Sometimes things will get tough. And it was the case here for Joseph. She makes a false accusation. In essence, she accuses Joseph of attempted rape when she calls him this Hebrew. There's an ethnic kind of thing there going on. There's even a touch of racism in her words. Her words sound plausible because she's got Joseph's coat in her hand. And there's even a touch of racism in those words that she says. Joseph Consequently, verses 19 to 20, is unjustly imprisoned. The Bible says that when Potiphar heard the story, his response was his anger burned. So he had Joseph thrown into the jail with the common criminals. And you would think, how could this happen? God, why would you let this happen to a man of integrity? Why, why would you let it happen? It happened because the world cannot understand a believer with conviction. It doesn't make sense to them many times. And that's why Joseph was locked up. He knew who he was. He acted on his conviction. His reward, in this case, was a quick trip to jail. And that doesn't seem to make sense to us. It doesn't, it doesn't shout fairness to us. But the reality is that God still had his man intact, regardless of the geography. Regardless of that geography. The good news in the story of Joseph is you can stand up to temptation. You can do that. The bad news is you may end up losing your popularity in the process. After all, the scriptures have the story that the world crucified Jesus. I suppose in one sense, it ought not to be surprising to us that we should expect anything that would get us off necessarily easier just because we choose to stand for him. 
So when you choose right, don't expect a reward. Sometimes that happens, but sometimes it doesn't. There's nothing that's linked directly in that process. One final thing you need to know in the whole process, and this is the one that I think I'm most encouraged by in the life of Joseph. When you choose to do right, God remembers you. It's not that you always get rewarded, but he remembers you. Verses 21 to 23, we read one more time just for refresher. The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care, just like Potiphar had done. Turned it over. Didn't have to give a thought or worry or care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. I don't know where it's at for you, but I, I would long for the church of Jesus Christ to be populated with people who are people of integrity before God. Who, who stand for something and don't fall for anything or everything along the way. I would long for that to be the case. The story here proves that God honors those who dare to say no. It may not appear that way at first. It, things may not work out exactly like, they, like we think they will. But when we have the courage to say no to temptation, God takes care of the other details. In the end, we will not be disappointed. It, there will be challenges, but we will not be disappointed. Remember, it's always better to do right the first time. There are some things that are worse than going to jail for doing right. One of them is living in the prison of a guilty conscience. It's better for you to do right and sleep well than to toss and turn because you couldn't or didn't say no. There are other things that are worse. It's, there's an interesting kind of symmetry to this whole story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. It, it opens with Joseph enjoying good success because the Lord was with him. That's the phrase. He was with him. And although he ends up in jail, even there, God prospers him because the Lord was with him. In between, he proves himself worthy of greatness because he knew how to say no. He knew who he was. I guess in all of this, I, I, I would say that the story gives us several uh, don'ts, several great don'ts. And I don't like to come down with the negative side of it, but, but here's, here's how it could roll out. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget who you are. Don't be surprised when temptation knocks at your door. Today's victories sometimes lead to tomorrow's trials. Don't be deceived by persuasive voices. What's the, what's the Greek mythology story about uh, the guy who gets on the boat and he goes through this, this uh, channel uh, and, and he hears the sirens? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and what, they, what they do... Uh, Ulysses, right? What he does is he muffles the ears of his sailors so that they can get through without getting 
distracted along with there's a lot of stuff around us that just kind of calling our name just pulling us out pulling us over trying to pull us away from the integrity of who we are don't be persuade don't be deceived by persuasive voices and don't be confused by immediate results even though Joseph ended up going to prison he could have said, God, where were you? Where are you in this whole situation? Why didn't you show up? You know I'm your man. You know I'm a man of integrity. And yet, and yet this didn't work out well. But he chose to even trust God in the midst of that. And that's what makes Joseph an amazing character to follow after. When, when the story is all boiled down, it comes to a basic question. The basic question is, do you know who you are? Do you, do you know who you are as a Christ follower? Now, there's an there's a athletic guy, a football player, past Tim Tebow. Every once in a while you hear about him nowadays, even though it's past his football playing season or chapter in his life. But he's done some amazing things and has a Christian platform of presence because he has chosen to be a person of integrity. He said, he, he was asked, uh, one time he made this comment. He said, the world looks at me as a football player who's a Christian. But I look at the world and say, I'm a Christian who happens to be a football player. And it makes a world of difference. Do you know who you are as a Christ follower? Do you know who you are? Lauren Kierkegaard, philosopher, um, writer, Make, makes a, a comment, puts it this way. He says, and now, with God's help, I will become myself. Now, with God's help, I will become myself. He knew who he was, Joseph, this character. In one sentence, that's the truth for today. And it's put simply this way. If you know who you are, you can serve Christ anywhere. It doesn't make a difference whether you're at Great Lakes in the Navy or at home working remotely or maybe reintegrating back into the world. When you know and remember who you are, you can serve Christ anywhere and he's able to use you as uh, he provides the opportunities for that. The life of Joseph here in this, that 39th chapter is just a reminder of how we handle our trials, the things that come uh, along our way. Next week, I want to go to the next chapter. So if you want some advanced homework for the next week, go to chapter 40. And uh, it'll, it'll deal with issues of uh, timing. Um, and it'll deal with a question, what do you do when sometimes God seems late? What do you do when sometimes God seems late? Uh, one old divine put it this way, he says, there may come times when God may seem slow, but he's never late. Now, that kind of spills the beans a little bit about perspective on that. But there are times when God's working on you and changing your geography or changing your circumstance a bit to make sure he's refining you as the man or woman of God that he wants you to be. 
The 39th chapter talks about the character of Joseph. Now when we move to chapter 40, we're going to deal with some other things that we wrestle with when things don't always go the way we expect them to. So here's where we are. There's where we're going. In the meanwhile, uh, hang in there with us, and we'll get through and learn some life lessons from Joseph. Today, handling the trials of life. I want you to pause with me as uh, we close here in prayer today. Oh, Father, this is the day when we set a, aside a time to honor our fathers. And we are grateful for them. They're imperfect guys. They don't always do the thing that is right. Sometimes they choose the thing that's convenient. Sometimes that's been part of our upbringing. But you know our hearts and you know the needs of these guys we call Father. Whether they're alive or passed along, passed on, we are grateful for the things that you used to shape us and form us that we saw in them or knew of them. And again, they may not have been the best example at times, but thank you that you as Heavenly Father are, are the model after which we can formulate our lives, live our lives. Thank you for guys like Joseph, who knew who he was, was a man who honored God, a man of integrity before his boss, and before his God. Help us to be there. Help us to be men of integrity. Thank you for the blessing of earthly fathers to us and the things that we've learned maybe from a bad example, so we don't do it that way. And sometimes from a good example, so we have a, a model to follow. So my prayer is that in each person here today, whenever they do honor their father, if that's still a part of the chapter, I pray that you will just work in our lives so that we might follow hard after you. So we pray your blessing upon all of those men of this congregation who are seeking to follow after the heart of God and serve their families. Pray your blessing upon each one of them. Thank you for the time together today around your word. Thank you for the time of praise. Thank you for the privilege of being people of prayer. We can pray for Sierra Leone. Even though we may not know anybody there directly, our hearts go out to people who wrestle with so many problems. I can't imagine 80% unemployment. What a mess. What a challenge. May you raise up people of God to be salt and light in that troubled nation. I thank you, Father, for the day the things that we'll get to do, maybe even in celebration today, certainly in honoring our fathers. Bless each one as they have come and as they go from this place today. In the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray.
Amen and amen.